Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another SpinCast. Today, we are back on the topic of collegiate esports. We are joined today by Ben Sigelski. Um, he is the vice president at Auburn University for the um, esports program there. Um, and he's also pursuing a computer engineering degree in his coursework. So without further ado, Ben, go ahead, um, introduce yourself. Tell us where your passions in esports began and kind of how that developed and grew into becoming the VP of the esports program at Auburn, where you currently are. Mm, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, like you said, my name is Ben, I'm a junior at Auburn University pursuing a degree in computer engineering. And my esports career began a long time ago in League of Legends. <laughs> Back when I like, I think it was freshman year of high school. I was just, I've been playing games all my life since I was a toddler, pretty much started with Halo, all that stuff. And then I got in the league when I had a German exchange student come over. He's like, hey, you should try this game. I'm like, I don't know. I don't really like MOBAs. So I tried it and I really enjoyed it. And then I um, joined a competitive league known as House Party 5v5, I believe. And they had Captain Flowers, if anyone knows that. Mm -hmm. He's currently a caster for the LCS. He casted some of the games there. And I wasn't too good at it, but I was, you know, just, I enjoyed it. So I just played on a couple teams there and then kind of dropped esports for a little bit for um, until I think roughly September of freshman year here at Auburn. I, uh, Overwatch, I came out recently at the time and I was like, man, I really enjoyed this game. And I was actually, unlike Lee, pretty good at it. So I decided that I wanted to start a team at Auburn because the league called TESPA had been getting um, some traction recently mm -hmm. and so and then there's also you know, the club I'm part of right now Auburn Esports was at the time looking for an Overwatch team like hey we need to get some people together and make a team so I was like all right I'll do it and so started like that and then eventually I think after a month I was promoted to the Overwatch game representative for the organization and I stayed on that track for about two years roughly and then just back in this year of May, I was elected the vice president of the esports awesome. organization. Awesome. Love to see those kind of long-term success stories and taking your passions and, you know, applying it constructively, especially at the university level. Um, so my first question about Auburn specifically is, you know, what are all the games and programs do you all have? What kind of competitions do you compete in um, for those interested? And also um, for the teams themselves, is there a dedicated practice area? Um, is it mostly online? Um, or do you all have some sort of computer lab or arena? Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, okay. So the teams, we have a good amount in the major games. We got CSGO. I think we have just an A team there. And then for Overwatch, we have an A team and a B team. So the way we do our teams is A team will be the top ranked players. And then B team will be lower ranked. And then uh, we also have Rainbow Six, Rocket League. And we actually have a Beat Saber team that I did not know about until last month. And they've been competing mm -hmm. in various tournaments, just community organized. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we also have, I think we have three League of Legends teams. And at the moment, uh, we do not have a practice space. We have been working towards that for about, I'd say, a year now. And due to the ongoing crisis and pandemic, uh, a lot of the stuff we have been working on has been put on hold at mm -hmm. the moment. <laughs> for example, we were working towards becoming a club sport and going to the athletic department, getting all that settled. But uh, they closed all their applications <laughs> when yeah. right around when the crisis started. So. We have been put on hold until I think next month when school resumes. So, and the same with the practice room, we have all that currently put on hold, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's the, <laughs> the reality we live in. Right? Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, it's uh, something that we wish never happened, but it happened. Yeah, it's it it like that sometimes. What we have now, right? So, mm -hmm. fortunate there. 
um, kind of diving into it, um, you hinted, hinted at it, um, but you know, real quickly, um, you are a student-led organization as of now, um, just a club that's uh, student-led, um, mm -hmm. not, you know, what's worked quite yet. Yes, not yet. So um, we weren't even officially a university or like recognized organization until about a year ago because every club has to go for like a year yeah. proof, like they're going to stick around <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. So we actually became university recognized about, I think, 2019, October. Awesome. And awesome. so th that you need to be that before you can start pursuing club sport applications. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. we, hit the, we hit that milestone a while ago. And, but ever since then, yeah. Yeah, now you have to wait for the bureaucratic and the tedious, you know, legislative <laughs> oh, yeah. practice um, or mm -hmm. process um, before that gets approved. Totally understandable there. Um, I kind of goes to my next um, question is, um, what kind of support do you hope to gain from the university? You know, obviously when things normalize and you're um, able to, you know, finish the application process, mm -hmm. what kind of support do you hope to get? And then what will that enable for, you know, Auburn Esports as it continues to grow? Mm -hmm, sure. So, through the athletic department there is a way that we can apply for like to get our own practice space if we do get inside into the club sport application process so we're if once we finish that process we're going to just you know throw it out there be like hey it would be any way possible for us to potentially get a practice space and it doesn't it doesn't even have to be that big we just have like a small room with like i think 12 computers roughly because our overwatch team it's like i think 12 players if mm -hmm. you wanted to do scrims against each other that would be the max that we would need. Mm -hmm. So once the club sports application process uh, is finished up, you'll kindly ask them if we can acquire a said space. And they haven't really pushed back against any of like anything we've done so far, which is nice. So I was gonna mention something about like, hey, you could just you know be a little more relaxed on this, but they haven't really been very aggressive about denying anything that we put out. They've just been kind of like hands-on or not hands-on mm -hmm. sorry they just let us be hands-on yeah and our, our advisor michael lamb <laughs> he just kind of he kind of lets us do like as long as as long as it's within the university guidelines he lets us do yeah. pretty much mm -hmm. so we just yeah. kind of, those rails yeah kind of just testing the water seeing mm -hmm. where y'all um end up on your own accord and then seeing what that support looks like mm -hmm. from there absolutely you know it's usually a pretty good practice um from a university or a business or anything seeing the growth that you can maintain yourself and then go from there um mm -hmm. kind of leading in, into my um next question um is and time of mind i seem to have forgotten it um for collegiate esports right there's a lot mm -hmm. of competitions out there um but you know, in this entire podcast series, it's become very evident that there's also a lot of overlapping competitions as well. Um, so kind of speak to if you've had any experience where, you know, maybe two leagues of the same play date or the same weekend on the finals, and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to see more structure from, you know, the competitions that you can play in, like Test or NACE or, um, mm -hmm. you know, CRL or CLOL or any of those competitions for those games in particular that you'd like to see change or improve on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so for TESPA, that's the one I've had the most experience with since I was at mm -hmm. Watch Game Rep. Um, thankfully, a lot of times, nothing would really overlap too much, and this isn't really on TESPA themselves, but sometimes certain universities would do tournaments of, like, playoff, like, during TESPA. I know we had an issue with that, um, I think it was last year, when we wanted to go to Volan, University of Tennessee. We wanted to go to their land, but then we also didn't want to miss our TESPA <laughs> playoff game. Yeah. So 
we had the pick one or the other. We, I think we ended up going to the land because we just wanted to get the land experience and wanted to say, hey, we went there as a team and re- represent our university. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in regards to the other games, um, I think most of them have been pretty good about scheduling. I know CSGO had a couple of issues just with the sign-up process, just like getting into the league itself. But mm-hmm. other than that, is just from my perspective from like outside area from non-overwatch seems like everything's been pretty pretty good good. yeah pretty good structured i would say for smash i know they're having a hard time especially during the pandemic (laughs) because online uh smash is not the greatest at the moment yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, you don't want to avoid the viral interactions yeah yeah so they've been they've been having some issues but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Everything else has a much better platform to play online. You know, Rocket League, League. it's very easy to mm-hmm. you know, throw a custom lobby together and get the right people in there and play um, and then produce it as well. So mm-hmm. um, kind of going back to, you know, your team or other teams within the Auburn esports programs across the different titles, what is a typical practice day out there, right? Because a lot of high school, a lot of high school students um, watch these podcasts and they're interested mm-hmm. to know what is a typical day um, in a practice um, and, you know, game days and all of that look like for mm. esports players. So take us through what that day looks like um, and how, you know, practices are kind of run and your goals that you guys set for yourselves as you continue to improve. Mm-hmm, sure. So I'm going to give it from the perspective of the Overwatch team since I was a player on the team for about two years while I was the game representative. Mm-hmm. So in a daily week, uh, we would try to do scrimmages about three times a week and those would go for two hour blocks. And we would usually try to stagger them so we wouldn't have like two scrims in a row for each day. And then we would also usually if an employer had like an exam or whatever, like a quiz they needed to really study for, we would um, give them some time and schedule a scrim for a different day than usual. But usually we would stick to a set like scrim scheduled. Of, I think ours was Thursday, uh, Tuesday. And I think we would do Friday sometimes if people had those exams, but then we usually try to stick to Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And our match days, at least for TESPA, were on Sundays at 7 p.m. And up to that day, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do any, like, warm-up or anything because, we you know, people need to study <laughs> for exams. A big part, at least for Overwatch, was making sure you keep your GPA up and you don't flunk out of school. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, want any, we didn't want anyone to sacrifice any time just to, like, play on their, you know, our Overwatch team because we don't have too many benefits to offer right now. So we don't mm-hmm. want like, to need anyone to sacrifice anything. Absolutely. So, some days we had our matches, and they weren't streamed, unfortunately. So we didn't have to like worry about any like broadcast setup or anything. We would just get in there, play them, and then we just report the matches to the Tespa, and then that would be that. And then we would just rinse and repeat. And you sometimes, if the team decided like we all had a bunch of free time, we would also reserve a room in our student center, mm-hmm. and we would set up like a VOD review, and we'd all be in person, get some dinner together we usually try to keep our scrimmages i don't think i mentioned this we try to keep our scrims and like just everything at like seven or later just mm-hmm. to avoid and like if any like anyone has a class or a lab or something a late class yeah, yeah we don't want like, that to conflict with anything mm-hmm. so we try to keep those late and same with the vod reviews so absolutely yeah sounds like a great practice schedule um really a lot of room uh to grow um within that practice schedule um you know really easy to do that when you have a dedicated time to do so um, kind of moving on to more broad topics surrounding collegiate esports is I know we talked a little bit about it before the podcast started is, you know, the NCAA is like knocking on the door in collegiate esports and they're mm-hmm. testing the waters and trying to see where they could fit in because obviously, you know, esports is growing incredibly quickly and it's massive at the pro level already. 
and mm-hmm. we all know that NCAA, you know, wants to get in there to get their fair, their their share of the mm-hmm. market space. Um, so, what are you your viewpoints on the NCAA involvement? Um, what do you think they could help with, or what could they maybe not help with at all and hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just give us your viewpoints and maybe what you would like to see come out of um, that potential um, entrance to the market from the NCAA. Mm-hmm, sure. So I think the NCAA, um, if done correctly for esports, I think they could provide a a good rule set for all the leagues to follow. Because I know in pretty sure like basketball and all that stuff, they have rules for professional players, <laughs> like going back to collegiate level, mm-hmm. I believe. And we had an experience with that uh, recently, and we made it to the Overwatch like test of playoffs this year again and we had we went against the number one team who had an ex-professional player from the overwatch league <laughs> playing other team and their coach is also a professional player which you know i'm not trying to be salty or anything but having set rules like that would definitely help in regards to just competitive integrity i guess mm-hmm. because you know it's it, whenever you're competing at a collegiate level you it does make you feel a little down when you have to go against professional players <laughs> that yeah, have played like exactly. on stream and stuff so and then it's also a mental game because you know you can in your mind you're just like well you know they've played in this league and they're done this good and then you just kind of lose the game before you even start so yep. having a rule set like that i think would be beneficial what I could see being not beneficial is just basically the opposite. If they had just, if they just get a bunch of unexperienced people who know nothing about esports <laughs> to go in and make a rule set and try to apply the same rules that they would for like physical sports that they would to esports, because you don't, you do not need the same rule sets for both. They do not need to overlap, in my opinion, because it's just a different environment entirely. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... You know, I think there's a lot we can learn from traditional sports in that model um, and kind mm-hmm. of their approach to it with the structure they have. Um, but at the same time, esports is very different, right? You know, football, mm-hmm. you can only play one game a week. Anything more than that, you're just simply too tired, right? You, mm-hmm. Your body can't handle it. But in esports, you can play in a tournament on a nightly basis, right? You know, there's so mm-hmm. many more competitions that are easy to enter, very low cost, and most of them are free as well. So um, kind of mitigating and, you know, trying to control that from – an outside perspective would be very difficult, and I know there'd be pushback from the community as well. Mm-hmm. So difficult waters to traverse for sure. Um, but I was like getting that perspective because you know it is probably going to happen at some point, at some yeah. level. Who knows what that looks like? Um, but you know, being the the premier kind of structure for traditional sports, you know, esports is that close relative. So mm-hmm. um, pretty easy translation there. Um, before we run out of time, I have one last question for you is looking towards the growth of collegiate esports, right? Obviously mm-hmm. it's growing incredibly quickly. Um, it's becoming more mainstream, but you know, obviously it's not near as mainstream as, you know, football or basketball, right? Where that's all mm-hmm. over here and ABC and NBC. So what steps do you think need to be taken or what changes or improvisations need to happen um, to make esports at the collegiate level at that same level as football or basketball? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, Again, I'm going to be speaking from just the Overwatch perspective. So on Overwatch League, what they've been doing recently is they've been doing a good job of like explaining to just people who have never played the game before and just putting up graphics and stuff, just explaining how the map works, how many players they do this before every time. They just put a graphic. It's like, you know, for Escort, you push the, you push the payload and then people who have never played the game before are like, okay, so this team has to do this push it this far. And if they make it this far, they get a set amount of points. And it makes it very, it simplifies it very much just so it's easy to understand you just quickly glance at it and you're like oh okay so i think if other uh esports could do some similar things 
just make it very easy just to casually observe it. I think that would help a lot in making it, you know, explode. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest burdens is getting that mainstream viewership, right? People mm -hmm. that aren't invested in the scene or they're interested, but they have never played that much. Or maybe they mm -hmm. saw their kids play or their friends play. Uh, but they don't really mm -hmm. understand, especially for games like Overwatch and the League, where so many things are happening so rapidly and it's very, you know, different, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that in a negative way, it just is, right? You know, like yeah. games like Rocket League are very easy to follow because yeah. you know, hit the ball on the goal, right? Yeah, it's, it's just like cars, cars or soccer. soccer. Exactly, yeah. car soccer. Um, but <laughs> like the high tier games and League of Legends and TSGO and Overwatch, it's those are a lot harder to follow and kind of understand what the goals mm -hmm. are. Processes to get to the, to achieve those mm -hmm. goals. So absolutely, um, but unfortunately, we are out of time. We had a great con uh, discussion, Ben. Really glad you could come on the show. Real quick, go yeah, ahead and plug me. yourself. Plug um, Auburn University. Tell us where we can find y'all on social media. Um, if we want to keep up to date um, as y'all continue to compete and achieve that long-term success. Uh, sure. Okay. So on Twitter, you can find us at Gaming Auburn, and on there, we also have our Discord link. So if you ever want to join our Discord, you can. And on our Twitch, uh, we go twitch.tv slash Auburn Esports. I myself have been recently trying to stream some scrims and test out some graphics that I created. Mm -hmm. So it's still a little prototypey. But whenever the fall semester does begin, I'm going to start trying to stream more uh, awesome. of our matches. And then for me, you can follow me at Twitter at Twitch, or not Twitter, sorry, not Twitch. At Twitter, you can follow me at Code Doritos. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. Everyone keep an eye out for them. Auburn, obviously, being a massive D1 school, some exciting things from them for sure is on the horizon. To all our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for staying the entire time. Um, stay healthy and stay happy in the current pandemic. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones. And ultimately, stay plugged in.